Welcome. We trust you will be encouraged by this message from Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda by Chavda Ministries International. Real love, real people, real power. Amen. Well, good morning, saints. It's wonderful to be in the house of the Lord together. Yes, praise the Lord. And we are thrilled. It was lovely to get to see Rebecca Morris for a few minutes this morning. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, one of the themes, the prophetic uh, compass directions for us for this year, if we remember on New Year's Eve, has been the word engage. Say engage. And the Lord spoke to us about 2022, and he said, this year, the saints need to engage. Engage with their Bibles. Say engage with the word. Engage with their church family and engage in the community. And so we're going to be faithful and we're seeing already the blessing of the Lord coming on our response to that word. And um, a couple of things that you should know about uh, the Lord is giving open doors and influence in several areas here in our wider community from the political realm, the city leaders, law enforcement, to our education, to our schools, and also in the arts and, of course, in the church. And you'll be hearing from different ones of our members over the coming weeks as to what God is doing, revival breaking out, and how he is using the members of our church family that have been discipled in the watch and in the word as we've journeyed together. There are some wonderful things happening. Um, but uh, just this last weekend, some of you know, we had the opportunity to uh, be the undergirding support for a city prayer uh, meeting, a citywide prayer meeting, um, and the All Nations Church worship team uh, was there to lead the worship and support. The First Baptist Church Uptown uh, immediately stepped forward and volunteered their sanctuary, and you can see there Armand and Michael and Danielle and Whitaker, Whitaker uh, on the guitar there with the beautiful hair. Um, also, one of our uh, church members, the Dry family, they're up in Concord in Whitaker, is serving um, Pastor Lowell McNanny, who is a dear friend of ours who we walk together with, and he's helping to undergird uh, a beautiful time of revival and transition for that church congregation currently. So um, we had a, a wonderful, wonderful time. And it was uh, amazing to see that there is a genuine interest in an awakening to prayer for our city and a genuine interest in the church coming together to do that. And as you know, also in those scenarios then, it's really vital that through the presence of the Holy Spirit, we're able to hear his counsel in the moment. 
and harmonize and move with him. And in all of these things, I am so grateful that the Lord has given us almost, well, in fact, it is, 28 years together of corporate watching and praying and fasting together. And I just want to submit to you a bit of how we got here and why we know and are sure that if the Lord has joined you to this church family, he has joined you in order to give you a piece of your inheritance from his treasure house. You remember Jesus when he talked about the landowner, the king that was uh, dividing the talents, he was giving talents, and it's not talking about gifts and, you know, creative abilities. It literally was a sum of money. And there are Bible scholars who suggest that each talent was a year's worth of finances. And so even the one talent was quite a bit of money, potentially. Um, but he, he likens that giving out of the rich man's treasury, likens it to the Lord giving to his people pieces of their eternal inheritance out of the wealth of the kingdom to steward. And we find that the, the guy who was given a lot of responsibility responded with a lot of responsibility, got very aggressive and energetic about investing that wealth that the king, that the Lord, that the landowner gave to him. And when the owner returned and said, you know, what's the state of my kingdom that I've put into your hands? The man who responded with a to a lot of responsibility stepped forward and said, here it is, I've doubled your money. Say doubled your money. Doubled your money. We also know that likewise, the one who is given a few responded with all of his strength to steward that. But the guy who is just given a year's salary, but pause for a moment and think about yourself. If suddenly you're banker or your employer or your financial manager, if you have one, came to you and handed you an envelope of cash equivalent to what you earn in one year and said, here, steward this, do something with it. It might be, it just might be the impulse of many of us to take that cash and put it in a safe to make sure we would have it there in the case of an emergency, right? We might just do that, and that might not seem foolish in the current circumstances. So I want to challenge us this morning, because as I am going to share with you, some of you are newer, some of you, we've joined you together for many, many years, and I'm going to remind those of us who've been together for a long time, of some of how we got here, how the Lord led us here, and why we understand that a piece of what God has ordained to hand into your responsibility is the watch of the Lord. It is that calling to corporate prayer and fasting. And it's interesting that in another place when Jesus was speaking, in fact, Luke 18, you remember the story, speaking, it begins with, saying, in there was a certain city, and in the city, say city, city. a certain city, certain city, and in the city. And then Jesus uh, 
in a way that is unique to Jesus. He presents two authorities that are in that city. One is an unrighteous judge. The other one is a widow. And as the story unfolds, we find that the widow continues to appeal to the unrighteous authority who doesn't respond. But she continues in persistence to appeal for an answer to her cry. Say persistence. Remember what James said about the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. And he likens it back to the moment in Elijah's life where Elijah was on the mountain and God had promised to send help, to send revival, to basically overthrow a wicked authority, to put down a wicked authority. And Elijah is there praying. He needs the rain to come. And he bows down, almost like a woman in birth, and he prays, and he looks towards the horizon, expecting what? An answer to his prayer, a sign that God has heard and he's moving. He sees nothing. He bows and prays again. And he looks up and looks towards the horizon. You remember the story. He did it seven times. Say seven. It's a number of wholeness, of fullness, of persistence, of not giving up in the meantime. In the example of Elijah's prayer, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And finally... After a long time on the mountain, travailing in prayer, Elijah looks towards the horizon, and what does he see? A cloud, a huge, thundering, dark storm cloud with lightning and flashing rays coming out of it. What did he see? A cloud that big, a little tiny cloud floating, floating along floating over the sun-drenched landscape. And he said, that's my sign. Put a little cloud up. You might put that little cloud over your head, over your house, over your family, over whatever's happening with you, over that year's salary you just put in the safe. over this city, over your place of employment, over the schools your children are learning from, over the economy, over this nation, over all of our rulers and authorities and judges and counselors and legislators. This honor, Psalm 149 says, this honor have all his saints. Friends, we are, if you will, as long as we are alive in the body of Christ in the earth, we're the widow in a city. And for way too long, the church has assumed that we have no authority. But I want to tell you, we aren't just a widow. We are an engaged bride who is joined by blood covenant to the righteous king who rules, who has overcome death and hell and sin, and his throne is righteousness, 
Say righteousness. And justice. It's what scripture says. The foundation of the throne Jesus sits on, ever living to intercede for us and for the world, to carry out, to execute vengeance, to carry out his divine plan. What is it? That his kingdom, remember the mountain Daniel saw? A stone made without hands was flung out of heaven and it hit the foundations of that great statue that represented all the mighty kingdoms of the earth that would come and go. And that simple stone hit the foundations of that mighty statue, indicating that when the kingdom of God, in fact Christ, the tried cornerstone would come out of heaven and would do his glorious work. And on Calvary, there would be a divine confrontation between light and darkness, God and the powers of hell. And those powers would clash and appear for a moment that all things had ended. But God had a plan. Say, but God. And you know my saying about God's but. It's a big one in every situation. Pat your neighbor. Some people are having some religious jerks right now. Did she say God's butt? Listen, Moses saw God's backside, but we shouldn't go there. <coughs> Bathed in the glory. Come on, saints. So, with all of these images and ideas in mind, you know that widow, finally the unrighteous ruler was compelled to do what she wanted. Why? Because she wouldn't leave him alone. And that is a picture of engagement. Say engage. You remember Jesus in his human flesh, in his greatest hour, he took his most trusted disciples with him to the garden. The ones he had trained, the ones who had seen him, the ones who had moved in that same power. And they had had plenty to eat and plenty to drink. And as is typical, they dozed off as he was in his work of prayer. He needed them there. And he came back three times. Could you not watch with me one hour? And then he said, rise, let us go from here. There was a, a divine confrontation happening at that moment. The powers, the rulers of the synagogue, together with some of the uh, guard, were coming down to find Jesus. They didn't know how to recognize him. There are a lot of rulers, earthly kings, who don't recognize and don't know how to recognize Jesus in this hour, but he dwells in light in the midst of his people. And so more than ever, it's our time to take that inheritance he's given us, the measure of the Holy Spirit, the training, the investment of the word, the strength and refuge of your church congregation, all of these things, to take those things out into our community and as lights shine in the darkness at this hour. Amen? advancing the kingdom. Remember that stone when it hit the foundations of those kingdoms? It began to rise, indicating that until Christ comes, the mountain of the house of the Lord shall rise as the chief of all the authorities. 
And we dwell in that mountain. We dwell in two places at one time. But it's all the more important that we remember the importance of gathering together in the house of the Lord. And in America, we have had so much liberty, so much uh, general wealth and freedom and ability to choose and this and that and something else. There has also crept in in the last few years a terrible negative speaking and thinking towards the gathered church congregations in a city. And it's time to repent because Jesus has chosen to manifest his body in that way, in an ongoing manner. Acts 2, Acts 4, it's very clear. When God gave the Holy Spirit the indwelling of God in the earth, he intended for that regular gathering together of his presence among his people in local church congregations. And much of our culture has thrown off all tradition, has thrown off respect for authorities, so on and so forth. But God has not changed his mind about the way he does things. And if the Lord has called you to a church congregation, and now I'm speaking to folks who may be watching us on the internet, because I'm assuming if you're in this house, you are following the Lord, and that means there is some kind of an indication there that you need to know a few things about what this is and why you're here. But God has established 133 authorities. When we see Jesus in John's revelation in heaven, he works through delegated authorities. There is the lamb on the throne. There is the activity of the four living creatures who are doing his will and going throughout the earth doing his will. And then there is a surround of other little thrones of men, elders, not necessarily male. They are, they're what? They are elders. Who are they? I don't know. The Bible says they're elders. What does that mean? They have seniority in the realm of authority of devoted towards service to the king. And then you see as the circles move out, beyond, beyond, there is a sea. What is it? Representative of the peoples of nations. And that sea is like glass. What is it? In perfect peace, not all waves tossed up here and there and everything, but this mighty, mighty sea of peoples of the nations in perfect peace because they've been brought into relationship with that throne, with the lamb on the throne in righteousness and justice through the blood because John turns and he sees a lamb slain. These are realities for us, and they're not future. They are existent now, and we have been drawn into that relationship. So I want to tell you a bit about your inheritance in this congregation, in this church family, whether you've been here for a month, two months, two years, 30 years. Um, in 1986... Mahesh was, and in fact, 85, Mahesh was asked because our church that we were leading under the auspices of Derek Prince, our church in Fort Lauderdale, was a church, and Mahesh and I had a specific history of corporate prayer and fasting. It was the DNA that we understood in the New Testament apostolic church. You see many examples of it there. When it speaks of the church, the first thing that it indicates is that the church was praying. 
So the first work of the church is corporate prayer together in their public gatherings. And we have set aside the watch on Friday nights to exercise that responsibility towards the Lord. And I greatly encourage you to come with a mind that if you're joined to this house or if you look to this house for counsel and leadership, you need to be plugged into the watch to hear the counsel of the Lord. But we have also learned that over the years, just that particular type, that particular atmosphere of worship and the prophetic word and exercising our gifts together has discipled us to hear the counsel of the Lord together. And uniquely, then you go out from here and you find yourself in some place in your city and suddenly something comes up and flows out of you that is wisdom you didn't necessarily premeditate or a powerful prophetic prayer with a miracle that you can pray over someone or give counsel to someone in leadership or authority or in a quandary in their family. And where did that come from? From sitting in the counsel of the Lord together in corporate worship and prayer. It's the way God has designed it. Well, many years ago, uh, Mahesh was asked to lead the National Day of Prayer and Fasting in Washington, D.C. And he was there in the Capitol building with members of both houses. And back in the day, Democrats and Republicans that were Christians would actually come together and pray. There's a little of that going on now, but it's mostly behind the scenes in closed doors. But there was a time when it was more public. And Mahesh was asked to come and lead that day with those members from both houses. And he went, and he happened to be in the middle of a 40-day fast when he went at that time. And as he was praying, the legislators who were there, many of them together, literally felt the foundations of the Capitol begin to shake and move as though there were an earthquake as they prayed together. And they came up and spoke about it with Mahesh afterwards. Interestingly enough, at that same time, I was home in Fort Lauderdale, in our home. At that time, we had three young children. And I woke up in the middle of the night and realized that all the lights were on in our home. And I thought Ben, our oldest, who was tall enough to reach light switches, had somehow gotten up in the middle of the night and had gone looking for me or food or whatever, I don't know, and had flipped on the light switches. And so I went, got up and went to take care of whatever was happening. And as I came through the hallway touching the light switches, all the light switches were off. And our living room was flooded with light like light we're sitting under right now. And I'm getting goosebumps as I remember and talk about it right now, but I can tell you the minute I walked near that space, I hit the floor and just put myself there in the presence of the Lord. And God spoke to me very clearly, and he said, I'm calling the church as a corporate body on a 21-day corporate fast to gather in the sanctuary and pray together. And I related that to Mahesh as he was still in D.C. And he told me to go to the elders and leaders, Brother Derek, the other pastors, um, 
who were responsible for the church and tell them what had happened and what the Lord had said. And so I went and I told them and immediately they said, this is the Lord. They put out a call and the whole church embarked on this 21 days of fasting and prayer, gathering together in the sanctuary. And I can tell you that those of us who were there during that time still look back as that being a great watershed, a memorial in our lives. It was a time of tremendous visitation and transformation. And many miraculous things happened, but two that I remember very clearly is one of the respected longtime elders and uh, home group leaders in the church, unknownst to us, only known to his wife, was deeply addicted to alcohol. He didn't conduct himself like an alcoholic, but he was deeply addicted. And I will never forget the day that that godly man from that presence jumped up and cried out the bondage that he was in and ran and fell on his face and was instantly delivered. Gathered corporate prayer. Jesus said, when you do that, I'm there. Say two or more. Gathered. In his name, he's there. All the more. In the place he has appointed, and this is a long history of scripture, in the place I have appointed my name to dwell. And that is in his church. And one thing I will say, many people say, well, my church is, you know, nature. Or my church is in my home. Or my church is here or there. Let me tell you, when Jesus set his church in place in the earth from the day of Pentecost on, he set ordained leaders in the church. And that continues to be his way. So, yes, worship, fellowship, pray, you know, what is soaked together, do whatever. But I will tell you, a church also consists of those ordained men and women who have been recognized and set in place to shepherd and pastor and lead the church. So there are criteria. Say they are, there are criteria. And in America especially, that criteria has, much been, has been much aligned and generally ignored. But there is a revival happening, and I recommend highly to you that God is beginning in his house. He's beginning in his house. So we'll talk more about that. So anyway, that was the very beginning, that visitation. After a few weeks, there was a, a transition in some of our leadership and some of the senior leadership were being sent out apostolically, so on and so forth, and a new pastoral dynamic was being installed. And of all things, somehow, with that transition, those corporate gatherings were stopped. And when that occurred, I can tell you, it was like the oxygen being sucked out of the room. And Mahesh and I and many others had a sense as though, if you can imagine this, that we had been handed a living child and the child had died. It was a living sensation. We carried a deep kind of mourning because together we had been 
in his presence uniquely. And we carried that for several years. When Derek moved his primary home, our spiritual father moved his primary home to Jerusalem, Mahesh and I also knew that it was time for us to move from Fort Lauderdale. We were not in the senior pastorate anymore there, and we were uh, traveling and doing all kinds of stuff, still supporting and attached to the church. But we also knew that we were called to the local church body, the local pastorate, as well as to the mobile, the apostolic and the missional uh, in the nations. And in that context, the Lord began to speak to us. It was a short work, a quick work, and told us, I'm moving you. And we knew ethically that if we replanted a church body anywhere within driving distance of that local congregation, all of those people would leave and come with us, or a majority of them. And we would not touch the work that God had planted. We had been a part of that planting. Now, there is an ethos that is, that, that is not much exhibited or even known in the church today. And I will just tell you, God has given you church membership. And I'm not even saying in this church. He has given you, saint, at least one talent. That is a piece of his own purchased inheritance that is being joined to a local covenant body. And I do believe when he comes, he will ask you for a return on his money. For a return on his money. So we've heard the word engage. Our Bibles, our church family, our community. I need to move on here. At that particular time, we had a man who was retiring from ministry that was a deep friend of ours, a dear saint, who had a church and a 501c3 and all that. He called us out of the blue and he said, I'm retiring completely. I'm actually going to close the church. But I have a 501c3 and for $50 you can change the name and you have an established 501c3. And aren't you guys going to do something? So we paid $50 and sought the Lord about what name is supposed to go. We, we, were, we were relocating. So we, had, we were like Abraham. We didn't know, but we were relocating. So we sought the Lord. We prayed together. I'll never forget. We were praying in, in Mahesha's study. And, and we had this piece of paper, and we said, Lord, what is the name of this church that is going to be manifest, not where we are right now, but is going to be manifest. What's the name? What's your prophetic word over this body that will be in the future? And he gave us Haggai 2. Haggai chapter 2. And it says this. Be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua, governor and high priest. Be strong, all you people. And work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to what I've covenanted with you when I brought you out of Egypt. My spirit is with you. Don't be afraid. For thus said the Lord, say thus, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, sea and dry land. Is heaven and earth, sea and dry land shaking today, friends? It's shaking. Say it's shaking. It's shaking. I will shake all nations. And they shall come to the desire of all nations. 
and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts, and the glory of this latter house shall be greater than all the former, and in that place I will give you shalom. And we knew that was the ordination for the church congregation that was to be planted. All of that dynamic. And we wrote all nations church on the piece of paper and paid the $50. And in faith, in the spirit, that church was established. We didn't know where we were going. We, we had a lot of personal ideas, some related to my family and various places in the West where our children could grow up by their grandparents and a number of other things, all of which we had given away in order to serve the Lord. And as we were seeking the Lord about where to go, we received a letter from Charlotte, North Carolina. It was an official letter. It was signed by 40 senior pastors of various churches in this city. And the letter simply said, we have heard that it is possible that you might be considering relocating your ministry. And we, as the shepherds of Charlotte, are asking you to please come to Charlotte, plant a local church, and birth and, and uh, establish your uh, missional ministry here. That's also another ethos that has been lost in this generation. Where the authorities of a city say to an ordained and recognized spiritual leader in transition, come over here and help us, we need you here. And it fit with Meheshani's ethos and our hearing from the Lord. And that's how we came to Charlotte, North Carolina. Just the one thing in context of what you're sharing is that Derek, Brother Derek Prince and I were set aside by the local body over there mm -hmm. as apostles mm -hmm. and sent us forth. And ar around that time, we also received that letter yeah. from the shepherds of Charlotte. So there was an official ordination, not only as pastor but also as apostle to be sent out from the word of God. I'm just making up titles and saying, ta-da, you are an apostle. And at the same time, now mind you, we, we had been in something called the discipleship and shepherding movement, and there was a bit of a theology about women in governing authority in the church, so on and so forth. I was ordained as a woman by the church leaders. I was ordained and set in place to be a governing authority in the church. And so we were sent out, we came here, and when we came, very supernatural where the Lord planted us, I, I won't even go into the details of that, but we ended up over in the Ballantyne area by divine appointment of God, and on that property was, you've heard of it, the horse barn, was a little horse barn, and the first thing we did is we began to have prayer meetings. We began to have public prayer meetings. And as that grew and people were drawn, finding their inheritance in that expression, we started the Friday Night Watch. And 
people from all over this city came, and we were watching and praying from 10 o'clock at night on Fridays till 6 o'clock in the morning on Saturdays. That continued to grow. We renovated the horse barn. We officially established All Nations Church here in this city. But guess what? The womb out of which this church was planted, your inheritance, was the corporate gathering for prayer and fasting on a regular, continual basis. The watch gave birth to the church. This is your inheritance for all of you who look to us and have decided to join in this congregation. This is your inheritance. And I'm explaining it to you because one of these days, the shepherd, the king, the landowner is going to come to you and ask you about that talent and what you did with it. I know this is not the regular, uh, you know, self-help, feel-good Glory, hallelujah, dominion message that we in our particular constituency are supposed to be preaching every day. But it's more, it's about more than just you. Look at your neighbor with a surprised look on your face. <laughs> Ask them, what are you doing with that talent? Oh, Lord, Jesus, save us. So we came, we began to have the watch. We began to have these visitations. Many things happened. One of them was for three days continuing, Mahesh kept seeing feet, and he couldn't figure out what he was looking at. He thought it was a word of knowledge at first. Somebody's got foot problems. But in the watch, he would see these. Finally, the Lord spoke to us and says, those are the feet of Boaz. Those are the feet of the bridegroom. And I'm calling you to lie all night, story of Ruth, lie all night at the feet of Jesus, and I will tell you what to do. You want to know the counsel of the Lord? Come to the watch. Just present yourself. Be present. Right? Let me just pause for a moment. And, and, and say just for two seconds, Michael, Armin, you want to say something about these decades now, 28 years in this city, of, uh, of the time, and you, Armin, you were the I just want to spend the night with you guy that came wandering out of a conference. You and Cindy were moving this way. We didn't know you then. This is years ago over on the other PTL section at the barn of all things, and you know, we were doing the watch in the middle of the night, and this guy we didn't even know began to sing out in the congregation, I just want to spend the night with you. And I, I looked around, and I, you, I'm going to tell you something else you'll learn about the watch. Your hearing will begin to be tuned to hearing the voice, literally. And there will be a word, a phrase, a quickening, something that you'll go, the, the tuning fork will begin to align. And you're not going to, I'm sorry, you're not going to get it in the same way. Jesus, sorry, except in very unusual circumstances. And honey, in America, it ain't the circumstance. In very unusual circumstances, you will get that. But you will not get it the same way that you get it in the congregation. And if it costs you to get here, when he comes and says, what did you do with that talent? You're going to go, Lord, do you want to see my travel log and my gas bill? <laughs> and I wanna, we want to come in. There are many of you who have traveled for hours and miles for years to be faithful in the watch. 
and in the Sunday congregation. But Michael and Armin were so... Our engagement in the city, in the political realm, and also in prayer, where specifically we've ordained and sent Cindy forth as a particular uh, missionary of this ethos and DNA into the city, and da-da-da, long story short. Uh, one of the dynamics of that is uh, this prayer for the city event that was this last weekend. And in their meeting about how to bring all this together, one of the guys suggested, well, let's do this. And, what, and you know how that is. Well, suddenly there were people volunteering to do this event just overnight. And the first question that came up is, we need worship leaders. And Cindy was on the Zoom. And she says, well, and she volunteered freely in the day of his power. <laughs> and the All Nations worship team stepped up onto the platform at First Baptist Church with a couple of hundred folks, leadership and lay people from all over this city, 40 different churches, for what was sort of a clinic on prayer, but the prayer time itself was the watch. Yep. So, Michael, yep. Armin, do you guys want to say something? Yeah, that's so true. Um, you mentioned it earlier about the watch really is a place, the place, for discipleship. I mean, it trains us in every single way to be a Christian and to be one that has the word in their mouth, that discerns the spirits, that can hear the voice of the Lord and all that. And the verse that you said, blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. You have to take time. You have to be in the place to hear that and go, well, that's not the, that's not the joyful sound. Let's, <laughs> let's make a different sound now, right? That's discipleship. They walk, O oh Lord, in the light of your countenance. And so for us, that's the reason why we came to Charlotte from Florida is because of this, because of the watch. I know this. It is such the center of this house. I mean, it is. Everything else revolves around that. And I just encourage everyone to join in. We did this this weekend because we've, over the years, have the capacity to go anywhere with anyone in the Spirit and pray and worship God. Anywhere. Where do you want to go? Let's go do that. And so it was, it was real joy to be able to do that, to take the Spirit and power of the Lord that's in this house and to display it to the whole city of Charlotte. And we want to continue that. We want prayer to be, we need prayer more and more every day like never before. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know that sound, <laughs> you will because it's the big deal right now. It is the big deal. There are things happening in our world that there is no other solution but the Lord. And the only way for him to be engaged is through his church in prayer. Correct. That is so awesome. That's exactly right. So there it is. And I just want to say one thing, uh, again, that we have learned about the convergence of gifts by people being present together. And one of the things we've learned in the watch is how important there is a particular 
tone literally manifests in a note on the scale that is the place. It's like a pinpoint of light that opens the uh, platform of prayer and revelation and everything. And it's so important that the worship leader, the worship team, be able to hear that sound in their spirit and put it into the atmosphere because we've learned this. If you don't, if you miss it out of whatever then the whole bunch will have to kind of wander around together until we hit that harmonizing sound. It's like a tuning fork. And let me tell you, these guys, 40 churches with every different kind of theology and philosophy you can imagine from all over the city of Charlotte, and the worship team stepped up, and I, you know, I, I, was pray I had so much confidence, but I was agreeing with our worship team that the first sound out of Armin's mouth would hit that note. And man, you were right there. You were in the glory, the first word, the first tone out. And the whole place rallied to that place. And it gave a launching for an opening for the possibility of what God wanted to do in the meeting anyway. But that's learned in the watch. 28 years. Okay, Michael. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I think in a lot of ways, my own uh, part of this, being here for over 21 years and just sitting every Friday night here in the presence of the Lord, I, I think in a lot of ways, my own life and journey has been kind of like stumbling almost every week into these <laughs> things of the Lord. It's kind of like Jesus coming and seeing Zacchaeus in a tree and saying, you know, you come down and be... You come down and dine with me. Let's, let's fellowship together. And I think a lot of ways my own journey of that has been in that, that way of the Lord just drawing my heart closer to the watch, the, the activity of the watch, the fact that we spend every time, every Friday night at the feet of Jesus. We are getting, as Pastor Bonnie said, we are receiving His counsel. And Pastor Mahesh always says, if you take care of God's house, He'll take care of your house. So literally, for my own personal life, and I want to encourage each of you in this dynamic, because this is a living reality that Pastor Bonnie is talking about today. This is not just, okay, march your feet into the door. No, this is the reality that this becomes a lifestyle that honors God, but also draws us into a supernatural power where we are able to do things in the Spirit every time on the hours outside right. of the watch. Now listen, I find this reality very clear from my own life. As a father, I'm able to speak words of strength and leadership to my children. As a husband, I'm able to encourage my wife, and it is not in a place of me just trying to figure these things out. No, it is in a supernatural reality breathed upon by the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you, if you take care of God's house, he'll take care of your house. And it stumbled upon for me, you know, back in the late 90s. I mean, I was like 19 years old, you know, just kind of figuring out what the Lord is doing for my life kind of stuff. And... I had this musical gift, and I remember uh, hanging out with Pastors Mahesh and Bonnie uh, in Florida, and we were doing a service in Florida, and they were doing the watch. They said, you know, we're going to do the watch, and um, you, know, you come and play, just, you know, lead worship for it. I had no idea what this watch thing was, okay? I'm just a kid. I'm just trying to figure this thing out. 
And I remember that night uh, playing the piano, and it was one of those, you know, pianos didn't have a, this, the bench didn't have a back, and it was, you know, I didn't know how long this thing was going to go. It started at 10 o'clock, and it started going for, okay, uh, 11, watch says 11, okay, 12, and literally, I'm just playing, I'm playing, pastor is praying, pastor Mesh is praying, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, you know, and I was at this point almost like, you know, leaning all the way. My head is almost literally on the piano sleeping. But I had someone come up to me during that time. Another prophetic person put my hands on me and said, Lord, give him dreams and visions in the night. And I said, I think I'm having one right now. But, and the reason I'm sharing that is when I left that night, like Zacchaeus in these moments, I walked to the hotel, back into the room, and I said, Lord, I'm never going to do that again. (laughs) And you weren't talking about falling asleep on the keyboard. No, and I was talking about the watch. (laughs) And it was like Jesus saying, okay, let's just pull you right into what I want to do. And I recall this later because just a few years ago, I was editing um, an audio message by Pastor Bonnie. And it was just a few days after that event. And it was like the Lord coming full circle. I was editing a message that Pastor Bonnie did here in Charlotte after that. She came in and she said, oh, you know what Pastor Bonnie does. Oh, we were in Florida and there was this young guy there and he played piano all through the night and honored the Lord and worshiped with us through the whole night. And it was like, and this was just a few years ago that I was listening to this message. Literally, probably 15 years after coming to a church and saying yes to the Lord and coming and serving faithfully every Friday night, even to the point that if I go out, you know, Mary says, we go on vacation and it's 7.30 on a Friday. I'm just thinking, oh, Lord, the watch is starting. I'm, just, I'm not there, you know. Just, it's just part of who you are. But I've seen the faithfulness of God, not only in my own life personally, but in other people's lives, like the Deckers and so many others, Katie Jackson, we give our love to you, Katie. You've been a faithful watchman. I don't know where the camera is. You've been a faithful watchman for, since the beginning. So much. And Ed Seal, who's back there, uh, right there in tech art, since the beginning. All right, so many. And look, I just want to say, look what the Lord has done. He has blessed my family, my wife, my children, so many others that we put in contact with. And it is from serving the Lord faithfully and putting your talent in a place the Lord can use. Amen. Amen. And by the way, I just want to add that always, since its beginning, whatever you do for the Lord, when the Lord is present, it will always be accompanied with signs and wonders and miracles. And when we began, from the days of the barn, and sometimes we may want to put the barn doors back up. We have done that before, but people would come and hear, and they would report to each other. But the word went out that in the watch, cancers are being healed spontaneously and we had a family they didn't say anything to us but they drove their mother who had was stage four cancer and that 
given her very little hope, but they brought her and around 3 o'clock in the morning. The angel came and healed her completely. And we had another time, a lady came all the way from Korea, and she had stage 4 cancer of the throat. She wouldn't tell that to any of us. But she came and faithfully attended the church services and would come to the watch. And then she flew back. After a few weeks, she flew back to Korea. And I met her in Korea. And she said, I was dying of cancer in the throat. And in the watch, as she came faithfully, the Lord healed her. When she got her healing, she said, I had permission from the Lord to go back. And in the corporate gatherings, we would get words and may the Lord continue to give us. We, as we were gathered together, the word came, there is a flyer, a pilot, right now, that's in, in trouble. Yeah. And you guys pray for him. And we gathered together. I remember going, getting in a circle. And had someone get in the middle as the pilot. And he had to, at that time, he was over Albania or somewhere. It's during the Balkans. Balkan Wars. Yeah. He had to eject and landed in enemy territory. He was from the Air Force Base in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Correct. Yeah. And the Lord rescued him. And yeah. then another time. We well, had and he told the story later that an invisible hand came into the cockpit at a certain time and it would have coordinated literally with the time that we were praying. We were, we were still moving towards our permanent location here uh, over at Granite Street and we were praying there in the sanctuary. It would have coordinated with the time that we were praying that night and an invisible hand came into the cockpit and pulled the ejection seat and shot him out of the plane and he landed and there was a search party with dogs of the enemy looking for him because they saw his parachute go down. So they went out and he told the story of how an invisible shield came around him and the dogs could not smell him and the, the, uh, the, the enemy combatants couldn't find him. They went right by him. He was able to escape and make his way across enemy lines back to allies. And we knew it was in the watch, but there was so, we have hundreds of these individual and family and city and international scenarios. You know, the first sleeper cell that was actually uncovered in the United States before the whole war on terror became a thing was a Hezbollah cell here in Charlotte. And in the watch on the Friday night before the sting operation happened on Monday and Tuesday, we were getting supernatural intel that there was a Hezbollah cell in Charlotte. We got details on it and it was quite interesting because there was a man who actually worked for ICE that was a new member to our church and happened to be in the watch that night. And he knew of the highly classified details about this planned attempt to capture and arrest these guys the following week. 
and we were praying down through the classified documents. What were we doing here? We didn't have any natural knowledge, but that element of hearing the sound and beginning to just make our way to give expression to it. I'm telling you, the widow in this city is not a widow. She is an engaged bride of the king of glory, and she has authority. And it is time for righteous and unrighteous rulers to bow the knee and make confession and come in alignment with the will of the one who sits on a throne of righteousness and justice. And it happens in the church, the corporate watching and praying. So there was that one, the time that the, the Jewish school in the suburbs of Paris, and Katie, Katie's watching, she's got another treatment tomorrow, but Katie will remember this one. Katie had had a dream. Uh, um, oh, wait, that was the Hezbollah cell. Katie was one of the triggers in the watch that had a dream about the terrorist cell, and we, as we went after it, it began to unfold. That, that guy with ice, I remember, it was like two or three in the morning, and I looked over because there was some kind of, a, in the spirit, there was some kind of this you know, shaking thing going on, and I looked over, well, th that guy was standing over there, and his face was white as a sheet, and he had this astounded, almost terrified look on his face. So I, I you know, as the watch was going on, I kind of sidled over there. And I said, are you okay? You know, he's a new member, and this may be a little radical for him. And Are you okay? And he, he couldn't even talk. And he just, he was like, keep, keep doing what you guys are doing, kind of a thing. And sure enough, on Monday morning, this, the, the sting uh, of that cell here was made. But, and... Another situation, though, that I was thinking of, again, there are hundreds. This is what is in this talent that the Lord has given you if he has called you to this church. And um, another piece that's in that uh, treasure in there is a number of, of the watchmen. And again, it was the 2 to 3 o'clock in the morning, when the time when all of the, you know, sort of double minds are asleep or gone, and all the crazy people that are open for anything are still there going strong. And we have found, interestingly enough, the Lord uses the weak things, but a, a time, a moment, he comes in the fourth watch of the night. You find that again and again through Scripture. But there's a principle there. Could you not watch with me one hour? It was the fourth watch of the night, even though it may not have been, when the disciples were with Jesus in Gethsemane, and he fell asleep. Listen, the earth is in travail. The cities are in travail. The peoples are in mass confusion, mass migration, all kinds of fulfillments of Matthew 24, which happens again and again and will continue to happen again and again in generation to generation until Jesus comes. But it's happening, and he's looking for his bride to be at his feet so he can awaken her at midnight and tell her what to do. It's the counsel of the Lord. It's the authority of corporate prayer. And the one addition I would say to those watching on the World Wide Web is that if you are alone, but you want to be with people who are intercessors and praying, join us on the web because we broadcast our watch. So they, can, they cannot, don't have to be alone. They can just log on and watch with us. And I know this morning the Diamond household in Florida and Cheryl and Scout, people who were together, we were there together in that visitation, are watching this morning and, and you know, remembering together some of the things. But these four 
uh, All Nations Church, these are some of the foundations. And one of the other amazing miracles was in the watch, while we were praying together and worshiping and hearing the joyful sound, different ones began to have these impressions combined with a dream that one of the watchmen came with about a Jewish school in the suburbs of Paris that there was a terrorist plot against. And mind you, these were way before the war on terror. People weren't talking about radical uh, Islam at the time and sleeper cells and all that. But the Lord had his eye on those things and he was looking for the people that were on the wall. Watchman, watchman, what of the night? Night comes, morning, but also the morning. Or morning comes, but also the night. And uh, so we began to pray into those impressions and we bound that terrorist bomb that was set against a Jewish school somewhere in the suburbs around Paris on a Friday night. And on Monday morning, the Associated Press carried an interview with a rabbi of, who was the head of a Jewish school in the suburbs of Paris, and he told the miracle of how the clock in the school, 70 years established, had never missed its time. And on this particular day, at three minutes before the hour when the bell would ring and all the little children would be let out of school to meet with their parents in the schoolyard, the clock stuck. And it didn't ring. So the school classes weren't dismissed. The parents stayed out of the schoolyard. And there was a car loaded with explosives that had been planted by radical Islamic uh, terrorists at at the edge of the schoolyard, and it was time to explode when the bell rang because they knew the schoolyard would be filled with children and parents. And the bomb went off and there was nobody there to be hurt. And the rabbi testified, and we knew we had gone before in the watch together. This is your inheritance. And I'm telling you, I do believe that Jesus could just say one of these days, by the way, what did you do with the watch that I gave you? In the parable of the widow, the important thing is what Jesus says at the end because he tells the glorious story of her finally getting her prayers answered. And then he makes this statement. But will I find faith in the earth when I come? He says, watch therefore. And so... That is our exhortation, and I felt it in my heart to give you a few little pieces. And let me tell you one of the other abiding realities that you can anticipate when you come to the watch on Friday nights. And that comes directly from the first January that we were here, and that baby that seemed to have died during that visitation that was shut down was breathing again as we gathered to watch and pray together. And... Um, we uh, were invited by uh, a very um, influential family here in the city to, excuse me, celebrate Mahesh's birthday in January. And we went to their home and had a lovely dinner. And after dinner, we were just sort of fellowshipping. And the head, the father of the household, out of the blue, completely out of context of our conversation, he said, I have something I want to show you. And he got it from the table, and as he left and went down the hallway into the back of his house, I had an instant vision of taking 
something that he was going to hand me and putting it under the mattress of my bed. When he came back to the table, he laid a calendar that was the last thing printed by PTL on this property and, in fact, in the 360 building. It said, the year of prayer. And it was filled with the watch prayer assignments of all of the employees and all that of the then PTL, the year of prayer. And he, he, he said, this is very special to me. And I had seen this clear vision. I didn't have, we didn't have any connection to any of these things. But I ha and so I said, is it all right if I borrow this? And he said, yes, if you promise to give it back to me. I said, okay. And so we went on with the dinner. We went home. Uh, as I was coming up the walkway into our house, I remembered the vision and this prayer calendar. And so I went straight to my bedroom, and I lifted up the corner of the mattress, and I stuck it under there and thought, done, whatever that was, done. And an uh, hour or so later, when I finally got in bed, the minute my head hit the pillow, the Lord said, get up and get the one-year Bible and read the entry for today. So I went and found the one-year Bible. I got back in bed. I looked at the clock because the one-year Bible has dates on it, and I needed to know which side of midnight I was on. I checked the time to know what day it was and opened to that, and I opened the Bible to that particular place, which I had open in my Bible. I got so excited that I closed it. But I want to read you what it says. Literally. I'm laying in bed. I open it, and it says, Jacob went out from Beersheba toward Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head and laid down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there were angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you are lying, I will give it to you and to your descendants. And I said, I'm laying on the calendar from the corporate prayer intention of PTL. Through another divine set of circumstances, without us intending it, we came to this property. We purchased this property. I got to be honest with you. When we saw it, we knew it was the Lord. Mahesh had had a dream. We didn't know it was PTL. We didn't know that calendar I had was produced in the 360 building. We didn't know any of that. But we knew that the Lord had said this would be a place of Jacob's ladder encounter for all who gathered. And it was laid down as one of the foundations. We purchased and began to renovate. And the day we opened... It had been a squatter's camp. The day we opened the 360 building, it had no electric light. And as the light shone through the two doors here, 
I felt as we walked into just was what was rubble and forgotten equipment. I felt like there were a thousand pairs of eyes that were watching and waiting. And do you know, when we turned the lights on, we got the electric, the original donors to the PTL ministry by the hundreds, their names were written on, on brass placards, and there was a wall still there with the names of all of those people, many of whom had gone on to be with the Lord. And I knew that we were not only planting something God had given us, but we were picking up some kind of a spiritual intention of a place in this city that would send the gospel to the nations. And we were the next generation to pick up our particular piece of that assignment. And that in this place, as he said in Haggai 2, the desire of all nations would come and he would fill this house with glory and he would give peace here. That's your inheritance. That's your inheritance. And if I can say, if you're open <laughs> to the possibility that you have a piece of this wealth, then it's a matter of like those men who are given talents. For you to go away and consider if this indeed are riches and inheritance, a piece of something. I'm not saying it's your, he's maybe given you five, ten talents. But I can tell you if you've been called to a church congregation, and I'll just say for this one, this is one talent that he's given you. And I exhort you to consider that. In times of crisis, everybody gathers. But like that persistent widow, and not like disciples who fell asleep in the garden, could you not watch with me one hour? We have determined by the grace of God, it's been 28 years now, and there are some with us still that have been here the whole journey, but we have no intention of that ever stopping and we're seeing the fruit of it in times of crisis in our lives our families our church other churches our cities our nation the nations and so as we pray for ukraine and we pray for our administration and we pray for russia and we pray to the king of nations we don't pray without insight, without wisdom, without authority, knowing that as he hears, he also answers. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so we, from the roots, we know it was supernatural. The groundwork is accompanied with signs and wonders. One of the premier ones was a resurrection with a word of knowledge. And so it goes, may this cycle of glory and presence and hearing the voice of the Lord and obeying above all. 
his word. Let it continue. And it's embedded in you too. The impartation. It comes almost automatically. You just have to be in there. You don't have to struggle. The Lord will inject that into your being. You are a watchman. That's part of your identity. You are a believer. You are a prince and a priest. But you are also a watchman on the walls. That's part of the designation from the glory. It will follow you till you see Jesus. It's glorious. It's loaded with glory. So may the angel of the Lord impart to you today even. And every particle of your be being be anointed. You are a watchman. That's part of your inheritance. May the impartation of glory, part of the thing is, God is debtor to no man. And your blessing, the blessing of the Lord comes not only to you, but to your children and your grandchildren, your generations, because you watched and prayed. So let that be part of it. We thank you, Lord. We are humbled that we have a part to play. And as a postscript, we put quite a bit of what we experienced in the book, two books, Watch of the Lord and The Hidden Power of Watching and Praying. And I mean, and these books have gone all over the world and have imparted and blessed and we are grateful that the part of that inheritance that's part of yours too because we have watched together and prayed has touched nations, thousands of souls. That is part of your inheritance too. That's wonderful. So Father, we bow. Take your, if you want to, take your neighbor's hand and just receive, Father, we receive today from the wonderful presence and what you are. You, you begin. You are the author. You are the one watching and praying, even in the Garden of Gethsemane. But we honor you and bow before you. May the watch continue. Give us grace, Lord. Thank you for all those who have played vital part. Thank you for the worshipers. Thank you for the musicians. Thank you for the prophesiers and the encouragers. Let it continue, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. To order more great resources by Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda, visit us at chavdaministries.org. For a full catalog of our products, you can call us at 1-800-730-6264. God bless you.